Good morning. Welcome to Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church for worship today. Today we see wisdom from God and what does that look like? And we continue looking at the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5. And there we see that Jesus has freed us from something for something else. We'll discuss that a little bit in our sermon today as we look at our, at our text from Corinthians. The service is outlined for you in your service folder. We'll be following page 15 today after our opening hymn number 493, Forgive Our Sins As We Forgive. God bless your worship. We continue on page 15 in the front part of your red hymnal. Please rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking Him, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant us forgiveness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful, and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil, and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by His authority, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord God, in mercy receive the prayers of your people. Grant them the wisdom to know the things that please you, and the grace and power always to accomplish them. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. You may be seated for the reading of God's Word. Our Old Testament lesson is from Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. The choice between God and sin is a choice between life and death. See now today I have set before you life and prosperity, death and disaster. This is what I am commanding you today. Love the Lord your God, walk in his ways, and keep his commandments, his statutes, and his ordinances. Then you will live and increase in number, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are going to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not listen, and you are lured away, and you bow down to other gods and serve them, then I declare to you today that you will most certainly perish. You will not live long, a long life on the land that you are about to enter and possess by crossing over the Jordan. I call the heavens and the earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live by loving the Lord your God, by listening to his dis- by listening to his voice and by clinging to him, because that means life for you, and you will have a long life in your land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. So, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Next, we have Psalm 119a on page 
Excuse me, Kane. At this time, we also like to, uh, as a congregation, present the Bible to our third graders. And today we have one for Tyson and one for Kane. The, the idea here is that these young men are able to read and comprehend God's word for themselves. As you and I have learned, perhaps from experience, that the word of God is simple enough, as St. Augustine put it, it's like a puddle that a child can bathe in. And yet it's so deep that a grown-up might drown if they aren't careful. And what he meant by that is that God's word is approachable for all, and that God's word is understandable by all, and we want to communicate that as we distribute Bibles to our third graders especially. We'll continue with our next reading from the book of Corinthians. Our second reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 beginning in verse 6. Godly wisdom from the Holy Spirit both reveals what God has prepared for us and makes us understand what God has done. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, but it is not a wisdom of this world or of the rulers of this world who are being reduced to nothing. Instead, we speak God's wisdom that has been hidden in mystery before the ages God foreordained that this wisdom would result in our glory. None of the rulers of this world knew it. If they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, and no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived, that is what God has prepared for those who love him. But God revealed it to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Indeed, who among men knows a man's thoughts except the man's spirit within him? So also, no one else knows God's thoughts except God's spirit. What we received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit, of, but the spirit who is from God, so that we might know the blessings freely given to us by God. We also speak about these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, combining spiritual truths with spiritual words. Our theme verse comes from John chapter 6. Alleluia! Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia! Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. Our Gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 5. God demands true spiritual righteousness. Be to you, o Lord. Jesus speaks. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its flavor, how will it become salty again? You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, that everyone who is angry with his brother without a cause will be subject to judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, will have to answer to the Sanhedrin, but whoever says, you fool, will be in danger of hellfire. So if you are about to offer your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. If someone accuses you, reach an agreement with him quickly while you are still with him on the way. Otherwise, your accuser may bring you to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I tell you. You will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to fall into sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away from you. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, 
that whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality causes her to be regarded as an adulteress, and whoever marries the divorced woman is regarded as an adulterer. Again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, Do not break your oaths, but fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, because it is God's throne, and not by earth, because it is his footstool, and not by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your own head, since you cannot make one hair white or black. Instead, let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Whatever goes beyond these is from the evil one. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Speak to you, O Christ. I invite you to turn to our Confession of Faith, the Apostles' Creed, as found on page 19. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 283.
Dear fellow redeemed, we consider our reading from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The psalmist says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when he says the fear of the Lord, it's really that, that attitude of faith. Yes, it's the sort of fear that perhaps you had for, for your father growing up. The sort of fear where there's, there's definitely love there, but, but respect as well. The fear that, that we have for our Lord isn't that we, we waltz into his presence and pop up on his lap at any opportunity. We certainly have that relationship, but the fear of the Lord is that at the same time we can pray, Our Father who art in heaven, and we can stand there trembling at the fact that here we are in the presence of God, a holy God. And the fear of the Lord is this beginning of wisdom which Paul goes on to unfold for us today. A wisdom that can only be taught by God, that can only be planted home by God's Spirit, working through His Word. And you hear that. And it begins to really unlock all of Scripture for you, and for me. That the little child who knows, Jesus loves me, this I know, and the Bible says seven days, so that means seven days. That little child is far wiser than the physicist who scoffs and explains it all away with complex mathematics. That little child is far wiser than any other person, any other unbeliever, who is searching so long and hard and probably has the best philosophical argument you've ever heard for the meaning and purpose of life. But the child knows the truth. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. In other words, every aspect of our faith cannot be grasped apart from the work of God's Holy Spirit. And that's a tough pill to swallow. I'll give you that. Because, because our sinful flesh hates the idea that I can't think it out and I can't figure it out on my own. And it looks like the unbeliever can grasp and regurgitate what the Bible says. The unbeliever might, might talk very glowingly about the history and the archaeology of this Jesus who spawned a religion. They might even discuss in very cut and dried terms, what does God's law mean? Well, that's what God demands. What does God's gospel mean? Well, that just means that Jesus died for you, but without faith. That discussion is moot and useless. Because those facts are meant to be applied in faith. But at every point of our Christian lives, it's like the devil whispers, walking back and forth. You know it. <laughs> you got it. You don't have to worry about it. Because you know your facts. And you know enough of God's word to be able to, to use it and ward off and silence your conscience. But the fear of the Lord is and always will be the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of true understanding. And we only see that, and it's beautiful highlight, and it's beautiful, beautiful treasure that it is, when we compare it to the folly of not following the fear of the Lord, and the folly of following the foolishness of this world, the folly of buying into our natural human reason, which, smart as it may be, is tainted with the same sin that Adam brought upon us, that Adam's dust lives on here, you and me, and the dust <laughs> tainted by 
the disgusting sin that he brought upon this world, and that sin showing itself. But we can't separate it out from us. And at every point of our Christian life, that sin opposes what God has said. You think about it. Well, sin isn't that bad, right? Desire. Jesus talks about lust and anger. That's crazy talk. Surely, surely God can't be that serious where he would say, cut off your arm and pluck out your eye. What in the world? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And God's word leads us back to the beginning of wisdom. That when Jesus speaks that severely, he's really highlighting for you and for me that sin is a serious matter. And that the eternity of heaven is far more and far greater than any blessing that we could experience here. Yeah, he's speaking a little over the top, using some hyperbole, because there's no way that cutting off a hand would be able to exterminate and expel the sin from this body. But Jesus wants you to know that he's serious. The sinful nature hears that and says, okay, okay, okay. But 100%, It's not even my fault that I was born as a descendant of Adam. What did I do wrong? Because it sure seems like I can can make decisions for myself, and surely it makes sense that I can make a decision for my spiritual welfare as well. And God demands 100%, well, (laughs) maybe he's just trying to put the clamps on my fun in this life. And... (laughs) Who in the world can do that anyway? But what's the use? 100%, that's just extreme. God's word leads us back again to the beginning of wisdom. If anyone stumbles at just one point, he is guilty of breaking all of God's law. Oh my goodness. Sinful nature rebels again, like the ox kicking against the goads. Well, Okay, 100%, sure, I'll buy that. But maybe I can balance it out and work things off, and, and I'll, I'll bargain with God a little bit, because I can cut a pretty good deal. I'm smart that way. But there's no bargaining, because God is God. And the truth that keeps coming hammered home in God's law is that I'm not God. The sinful nature rebels at every point and every opportunity, raising up its head and appearing as wisdom and appearing as smart and appealing to to our emotions and to our reason to say, dear Christian, he's not really serious. Dear Christian, Jesus is your get-out-of-jail-free card, so now you're free to go do what you want. Dear Christian, it doesn't matter how you live. And to all that, God absolutely crushes it into dust. Even as the sinful nature rebels, and even as this human heart rebels and makes excuses for what it does, God says no. And finally, that last respite, (laughs) it's the... uh, It's the excuse you often hear from somebody who may have been hammered with the law and never heard, never heard what really God's gospel means for them. Or somebody who really doesn't want to give up on their sinful life. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. The person throws up their hands. God really wants to send me to hell. Fine. I know I'll have a lot of company there. As if, It's just the the lesser of two parties for all eternity. Where does all this lead us and leave us? Sin is a serious thing. And the wisdom from God declares that. But even better, 
The wisdom from God does not, does not say, okay, here's what you ought to do. Here's your list of things to follow. No, the wisdom from God that God had planned out before creation, that God had foreordained, is that he would reveal his glory in what looks like absolute foolishness. Absolute foolishness. That here's this Jesus, the sinless Son of God, Yes, the same holy God who, who can't stand sin, and yet Jesus himself walked and talked and lived and died and rose for sinners. It sounds foolish. It sounds too good to be true. But it is. And in that message, that simple, simple message which even a child can say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. In those words, God reveals his greatest wisdom in his foolishness. Where human wisdom is, is cast aside because it has no bearing here. It has no standing here. And God's wisdom says, through Christian, you're a new person. You absolutely are. Even when, and especially if, your conscience attacks you and plagues you and says, this cannot be true, Jesus did not die for me, and if God really knew what went on here, then he wouldn't love me. To all that, Jesus says, I know it, <laughs> and I died for it. To wash it away absolutely clean. And in his foolishness, God takes dead people and raises them to life in the waters of holy baptism. In his foolishness, God sends his spirit again and again through his word to convict the world of sin, yes, but to reassure Christians as well that this Jesus died for you and for me. And in his foolishness, the Lord continues to do this sending his spirit to convert people's hearts, to turn them around from living for themselves to living for God. You see, that's the, that's the foolishness of God's wisdom, that he turns our life around from living for sin to living for him. Because the human wisdom will say, well, yeah, I can just, as long as I put on a good show, and as long as I make a show of um, saying I'm sorry, God, and, and looking like I'm repenting and, and really struggling against the sin, then I, then I have license to do whatever I want. And to that, the Lord says, no, you don't. Not because you are under law, but because you are under God's grace. Which is to say, you have been given a new life. You really have. And if there were any doubt about that matter, go back and look at your baptismal certificate. There's your deed to a new life. And if there is still any doubt about that, hear the word of the Lord again. That your sin has been forgiven. That you've been clothed with Christ. And this means, ergo, as a consequence, the following thought that you are now living in grace. That your life is not defined by your name, but by the name of Jesus. By the name of Christ. By the fact that God has wrapped you in Christ's perfection. And that means, that means, why would we go back to the deeds of death? Why, why would we even defend our actions or think that somehow God is holding out on us by, by setting up his law and saying, you shall not murder, you shall not lust, and honor your parents and do not steal. Lord, you're holding out on me. Lord, that's all the fun stuff in life. Don't get drunk. Why would God say that? He says that. Yeah, because his law is serious and his will is holy and he doesn't want us to do that. But most of all, he has laid before you this new path where his law is no longer over you as some hammer to crush you, 
but it's what he calls the path of joy. That you've been clothed in Christ, and God's law is not seen as as a set of obligations that I have to work so hard to live up to because, for heaven's sake, Jesus did. And don't try to take that away from him. (laughs) He has clothed you with himself. And he says, this is who you are. Even when your sinful nature says, I want to go this way. Even when your human reason says, this doesn't make sense. And when your conscience attacks you and Satan tempts you to say, this is who you are. Because you are a Christian. You've been saved from death. You've been rescued from sin for a life devoted to the Lord. Look how Paul puts it. As soon as I find it. (laughs) There we go. That what we have received is not the spirit of the world. We also speak about these things, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, combining spiritual truths with spiritual words. And before he created this world, God foreordained that this wisdom of his, this wisdom of of forgiveness through Jesus alone, totally apart from our action or inaction, God declared that this forgiveness at the end of verse 7 would even result in our glory. Just a second. Anybody have a pin to drop? That forgiveness from Jesus, God's absolutely foolish wisdom, no strings attached forgiveness, free and complete, that this forgiveness from Jesus even results In our glory? He means, yes, of course, talking about the glory of heaven. And also, as you live as salt and light in this world, you're like one of these light bulbs you see glowing from our roof, from our ceiling. What makes it glow? Well, you, you flip the switch and Paul Klenke could explain to you all the, the physics of electricity and what connects to what, and you close the circuit and eventually the light turns on, right? What is it that makes the light glow, and what is it that gives off light? Well, the electricity. Electricity shining through the bulb gives off light. So what is it that gives off the light? Is it the electricity or the light bulb? Well, yes, both. Dear Christian, you have been rescued from really the darkest closet of disconnected life. And you've been connected to Christ, much like one of these light bulbs installed in our church. And when Jesus brought you to faith, and Jesus did all that work of finding you out, having you in mind, picking you, choosing you, plugging you in, flipping the switch, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And at that moment, God made you start glowing. Say, you are a Christian. And your identity is not the old life, the old life of darkness destined for the trash bin. Your new life is rescued from that darkness for a life of shining for Christ. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And right there, when God brought you to faith, he created that fear of the Lord. Set your feet on the path of wisdom rescuing you from a life of darkness for a life of service. Not as, not as some difficult obligation, but simply because of who you are now. And that, not even from yourself either, but simply because of who Jesus is through you and in you. Pretty awesome. And absolutely foolish, but thanks be to God for that. Amen. Please rise.
And now may the grace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I invite you to turn to page 20 in the front part of your red hymnal as we sing the Create in Me together. You may be seated as we collect our offering, as we worship the Lord with our offering. Please note that as we receive the offering to the front, we will continue with the first two verses of Hymn 485. We continue with the first two verses of Hymn 485. Please rise. Lord God, giver of life, health, safety, and strength, we praise you for having granted Randy Woodford, your servant, initial recovery from his recent stroke. And we ask that you continue to watch over him and bless him during the days and months ahead. Above all, we ask that you help Randy daily remember your great goodness, that he may continue to serve you with a life that reflects genuine thankfulness for all your blessings, through Christ our Lord. And merciful and gracious God and Father, we earnestly implore you to turn the hearts of all who have forsaken the faith they once embraced, who have wandered from it, or who are in doubt about your truth. Mercifully touch their hearts and restore them, that they may wholeheartedly take pleasure in your word, which alone can make them wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Finally, Lord Jesus, it is your will that believers continue to grow in grace and knowledge throughout their lives. Fill the members of our congregation with a deep love for your word and a desire to hear and learn it. Use our Bible classes together with all other opportunities to study the scriptures. As Use these places and classes as workshops for your spirit. Nourish and strengthen the faith of many, that we may grow together towards spiritual maturity, treasuring the wisdom of Christ. All this we ask in Jesus' name as we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 509. Please rise for our closing hymn, our closing prayers. Blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart, that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. 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 You may be seated for our closing hymn, number 289.